0: Yo, call somebody, text somebody, slap the shit out of somebody. Let them know that Rodian Radio is live up in this biatch. You got it like the Rodian Radio. Yeah, Dr. is in full effect, and I gotta tell y'all a little something. Eazy-E is down with us. MC Ring, you know he's down with us. DJ Yala is down with us. Arabian Prince, you know he's down with us. Tony A the Wizard is down with us JJ Fag is down with us Timmy T, you know he's down with us DJ Poo, boy, he's down with us Toddy B and Spade, they're down with us My boy Ice Cube, you know he's down with us I like to mention, so pay attention to where I'm from Compton, but the taste are from the Rhodium My name is Dre, listen while I play And by the way, I'm also down with NWA Yo, Steve at the Rhodium is down with us funky tapes, it is a must number one Am I live, Johnny? Yep I'm live, everybody Welcome back to rhodium Radio episode 80 And uh, for some reason, Johnny I'm getting a little bit of feedback So I don't know if it's the, the mics are on on the cameras again Let me see. So, but other than that Everybody, if you can hear me um, Go ahead and check that out, Johnny Let me know no, okay, we're good. Okay. Anyways, everybody, uh, welcome back to Rodion Radio episode 80. And uh, before we get started and I introduce my special guest, let me go ahead and give a couple of announcements. Some people have still been DMing me and asking me, uh, can I still give to the Chicano Rap documentary uh, donation? And I said, yes, absolutely. You can find it on my bio. You can find it on the description or you can find it on my Facebook bio as well. Uh, so you can still give the incentives are still the same i encourage you to go to documentary.com and uh look at the incentives that you would get uh uh, if you give a certain amount other than that the rodeo mixtape classic uh mixtapes are still available uh for thirty. you can go to documentary.com and get get them there uh four of them once again were made uh mixed by me the other four were mixed by dr dre and we got other ones coming out soon uh soon we will be start filming Chicano rap documentary we're gonna start with b-roll footage but you know what enough of that let me go ahead and introduce my very special guest carolyn rodriguez hi how you doing
1: i'm doing great how about you
0: you know what i'm doing really really good um this morning i I almost like got up like if i didn't get enough sleep Mm -hmm. i'm one of those guys that like i go to sleep late but wake up early Mm -hmm. you know sometimes two o'clock get up at six yeah Uh, why that happens, I don't know. And then, but sometimes you still get these tweakers that are still lighting fireworks. So you tend to wake up <laughs> around two, or three o'clock, anyways. But uh, other than that, how was the drive coming over here?
1: Um, it was good, actually. It wasn't yeah. bad. It's was pandemic traffic, so it's not as bad as like regular traffic.
0: Now I, I know you you live in Texas, but you come out here frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, how is the traffic compared to Texas? LA traffic? Compared? Oh
1: yeah, Texas. Nothing compares to LA traffic. Nothing. Not one thing compares to it. There's just so many ways to get everywhere. Like in Houston, you can go to like four different highways to get somewhere. We have loops and, and, and freeways and cross freeways and more loops and beltways and tollways. And it's just like, there's so many places to go. I mean, it's flat, it's flat there. It's not like hills, mountains over here where everything's like on a curve or on a hill. It's the area is so flat that you just have so many side
0: streets. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like out here, uh, one of my friends, I've got a couple of buddies that live in um, uh, San Antonio. And then there's a little on the outskirts of San Antonio, I think there's a place called Pleasanton. Mm-hmm. Like, and they come out here every once in a while. But when they see the traffic, bumper to bumper to bumper, like it's, to them, it's unbelievable. Yeah. you know, <laughs> It's unbelievable. Uh, I've gone to visit my friends that live in New York. And when we go through Times Square, it's almost the same thing. Yeah, right? it's, 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 in- it's incredible. But uh, uh what is one thing you, that you do like about coming out here at L.A.?
1: Well, I lived here for, like, five, six years. Really? So I'm technically still, like, a resident of California. Okay. Because I plan on moving here. That's how much I love living in L.A. Like, I want to move here mm-hmm. um, whenever my husband gets out. That's where I want to come. So I am still a California resident. I'm out here, like, every month. I mean, I guess the most I would like about it is somebody asked me that, you know, like... Uh, probably the most the most that I like about it. And I would say that everybody that I know that came here when I came here, that I was around was here chasing a dream. And this is the place where you chase your dreams as far as anything in the entertainment industry, whether it be music or acting. I mean, you know, this is where Hollywood is, this is where this entertainment capital. So that's the one thing that I loved about it is that everybody understood like everybody's like you, like they're just out here trying to make something, you know, I'm not trying to make something happen. And a lot of them are from LA, they're from all over, but they're just, they've been living here like trying to make something happen. And I've seen so many people that come from different cities, not just, you know, Texas or whatever, or that even come out from out here that have blown up and made it. And it's like, wow, I remember when they were like sleeping on a couch or there was six of them to an apartment, you know what I'm saying? So it's, we're on the same page. That's thats how I feel. There's more people that I can relate to out here.
0: Oh, So, so mm-hmm. you, you know, it's funny because i've had friends that uh live in you know in different uh, outside of california mm-hmm. and they see me doing this podcast now and they always tell me man you have so much access to all the artists because they all live over here and it goes out here like it could be whether it be minnesota or whether it was it could be in florida because all the guys are out there over here we only, were only so limited yeah you know and i said yeah you know it's, it's true because uh, for an example, I was sharing with you just when you got here about these mixtapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was 19 when I met Dr. Dre at the Swamp Meet. You know, it's almost like a story. Like uh, uh, it's it's hard to imagine that you could actually meet the billionaire, probably the, the biggest hip hop producer ever yeah. at the Swamp Meet. You know, I met Easy either, Ice Cube there, and I met all these guys there, and I had access to them. So I'm very thankful and fortunate to uh, been raised here. So it's not a bad yeah. place to live, but mm-hmm. We do pay for the weather.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, it's expensive out here. I mean, to me, I always say you get what you pay for. Yes. So that's what you pay for is the weather. That's what I always say. I'm yeah. like, oh, no, you pay for this.
0: <laughs> yes. No, absolutely. So so, so now uh, uh, now let me ask you this. Uh, were you always raised in, uh, if I'm correct, Houston, Texas? No,
1: no, I'm not from
0: there. Okay.
1: Um, I was born in Durham, North Carolina. And then when I was very small, we moved to Fayetteville. So I was actually raised in Fayetteville. And i was there until i was a teenager Mm -hmm. and then my parents split up and my mom went to arkansas my dad went down to huntsville texas which was like north of houston so i stayed with my mom for like a year and a half i couldn't take it anymore as soon as i was old enough to leave i left and i went down to huntsville because my dad taught at a college there and that's how i ended up in houston Hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. you he was a teacher
1: yeah, he's a professor at the college in Huntsville where I went, and I decided to go to college there so I could get in-state tuition. Right. And then that's when I started listening to the radio station in Houston, and I started going to Houston, and I was like, "Wow, I love Houston. This is gonna be. This is like my home.
0: I'm wow. gonna move here." Now, if you don't mind me asking, what, what did you, what did your dad teach? Spanish. Spanish. Mm-hmm. Now, are you fluent in Spanish?
1: Sí, hablo español. Sí? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's dope.
0: Yeah, that's I, dope.
1: They taught me Spanish first. Both of my parents are Spanish teachers.
0: Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Now, you said you started listening to the radio. Now, well, let me ask you this. As a little girl, what type of music would be played around your home when you were growing up?
1: I would say Motown. Okay. Classical. My dad really loved classical music. So, a lot of classical, a lot of Motown. Um, the Carpenters. My mom loved the Beatles. Uh, she loved Elvis. That was pretty much what was played, yeah.
0: Hmm, okay. I know you say classical. I love Mm -hmm. classical. My only thing is that I don't know enough composers. I just know the popular Yeah, yeah, same here. But I I do love classical. Out here, if you ever get a chance, there's a radio station called uh, KUSC, Mm -hmm. and they play classical music all day long. That's what I usually bump. I'll I'll tell you what I, you know, because people always ask me as well, when I whenever I had done interviews, I don't do them anymore. But they'll ask me, what do you play in your car? I don't play hip hop, I'll be honest. I was -hmm. raised with that. But I used to play classical music, or I'll tell you another thing. I play a lot of gospel music. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, You know what? For me, uh, and I know I'm probably going to lose some fans here, but uh, for me, there's no other music that uplifts and inspires and awakens something up inside of you like gospel music. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very inspiring. Usually, and it's very few times that I feel down, I usually bump gospel music and it like Uh. picks me right back up.
1: Yeah. I know a lot of people who are like that
0: yeah yeah okay yeah now uh, um uh g- g- growing up uh, with your uh, at one point you said you went to go live with your dad then you went to go live in houston but how old were you when you went to go live in houston
1: um i went there about six months before i graduated college okay so a long time ago that was 2000 i think i moved there in 2003 because i graduated in like december 2003 so, but it had to be before... It was like six months before graduation. I already knew I was going to move there. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. I was like, I'm going to go ahead and move here because I know I'm going here. I'm going to chase my dream here in Houston. You okay. know? Like, I had my mind made up already about okay. the last year.
0: And and around what age would you say that you knew you wanted to pursue this career in singing?
1: I was in college.
0: Okay, in college. So, yeah. it wasn't as a, as a little girl.
1: No, I, I always thought I was going to be a lawyer or something like that. Like, I... Cause I always like to fight for people. Okay. (laughs) I like, no, this isn't just, you know, it was all about justice and I wanted to be a lawyer, you know, and fight for people's rights. And, you know, but no, I didn't end up being a lawyer. Um, when I was in college, I just started like doing talent shows. Then I started doing talent shows through the radio station. And then I started winning money and I was like, oh, I could win money. I could pay my rent with this. Like, this is pretty cool. Like I need to start writing more songs. I've always written songs. Okay. Since I was little, I did poetry. I always wrote music, but I never considered it to be any type of career. My parents were always like, "You can't be a teacher. You can't be anything that pays low. You need to do something that pays well. You right. know, get your education. Right. Get your education." So they were real, always pushing me about education. Obviously, you know, because they're teachers. Yes, but yes. and I liked school. It wasn't that I didn't like school. I loved it. But
0: yeah.
1: I just music just pulls you in, like.
0: No, that is very very <laughs> true. So, so what do you? What would you say inspired you? to write poetry when you were young because one thing that from podcasting now that I get from a lot of singers and rappers that come here, many of them would always say, even before I started rapping, I didn't know I was in a rap. I always wrote poetry. Yeah. And I, and I see that amongst a lot of people. So there has to be some type of foundation. Like what, what is what rap is? Yeah, you're right. That's what rap
1: is. It's poetry. And like, that's why I always wrote raps like that because i grew up writing poetry and i used to read poetry like i i I was early reader i was reading by the time i was three years old my mom was a tutor and she would teach um, some of her students that didn't speak english she taught english to the non-english speaking students and she said i wanted to sit there and listen to her so i would sit there and learn i learned how to read so i was then i started reading poetry i don't know i just got poetry books from my grandmother and
0: Mm, okay.
1: I was into reading it and then I started writing it and then I was into reading books and books and like all I would do is read books. Yeah. And then um I started writing like short stories too. I mean, I was always into writing. Wow. Mm-hmm.
0: It reminds me of my uh one, my daughter, she is uh 25, And I remember she used to play tag with all her friends as a little girl. And she would literally run around holding a book open like this, uh, reading while playing tag. She oh, just, wow. She, she still does not play tag, but still reads.
1: That's quite a multitask yes, right there.
0: Yes, exactly. A whole game. Yeah. So when you started, well, you said you entered talent shows about, you were in college at the time when you entered. Mm-hmm. And what inspired you? Did you sing for somebody? And then you said you should try it or
1: well i sang since i was little i performed since i was little um yeah my dad played the guitar my mom produces and she used to be uh, in a band in spain and they toured spain like a long time ago Oh wow! so i guess i got it from my parents you know both of my parents but my mom especially like really musically inclined so i always like performed everything since kindergarten i would always perform solos and all through high school I was in the ensemble in high school okay. so I was always performing like that was normal you know okay, what I'm saying okay. yeah. it was normal for me to do that but I would also write my own songs mm-hmm. and I'd storm away I just had a bunch of lyrics and I would make my own music like I even took like you know the b-side of the tapes right. where they had the instrumental on the other side mm-hmm. I would take the double cassette tape deck when I was younger and record myself over that same beat, but my own song. I did that with Debbie Gibson. I did that with Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson.
0: Okay. With your own (laughs) I even
1: had my own group, yes, called The Red Hots, like me and this girl. We had our own music group, and we did concerts in the neighborhood, and we charged people. Wow. And since I did the newsletter, I also did the newsletter for the neighborhood. I promoted the concert in the newsletter, and I sold the newsletter, and we sold tickets to the concert.
0: Wow. So
1: it was always like... They're just not, didn't right. really think about like this is a career or anything.
0: Now, when you said you would record yourself uh, uh, and when you would play it back, did you like hearing your voice? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you'd be surprised how many rappers have come on here and then uh when they started recording their demos, they uh, I would always ask them, when you played it back to hear yourself, did you like it? They always say, nah, I didn't like my voice. A lot of people didn't. Yeah. It's more that didn't than more that did. Yeah. You know, but uh, so. You uh, entered a couple of talent shows, I guess, when you were in college, and you won. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, what would be like the money? What was, what was the prizes? Oh,
1: like? like 300 bucks, 200 bucks. Okay. Okay. I didn't care. I was like, whoa. Even my first feature that I ever got paid for, I got paid $100. And I was like, wow, this is more than I made at work today. You know, like, I mm-hmm. was excited.
0: Okay. okay. <laughs> you know, uh, um, so, so now you perform a couple of talent shows, you get paid, and then you move to Houston. Uh, uh, when you get to Houston, what is your first move there? Like, did you start working? You?
1: Yeah. Okay. I had a job. I was like a, a market uh, research firm supervisor. Mm-hmm. It was like they gave surveys, and so during election season, like people would have you call and give people surveys, and I knew Spanish, so if you're bilingual, you could get more surveys. If you're bilingual, and then I started supervising over there, and at the same time, I was still going back to up to Dope House Records. And I was working with people there. And I started working with Juan Gotti, you know, over there. And that's when he was like, well, see, you're going to quit your job. He's like, you're going to quit your job. And I'm going to call you one day and tell you to quit your job. And you're going to quit. I was like, okay. So when I got that job, I told him, like, one day I'm going to quit. And they were just like, okay. I was like, no, I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to be here forever. Because I'd gotten promoted to a supervisor. They wanted me to, like do a bunch of like like a career yeah but i had to be honest i was like no i'm gonna quit one day i don't know when but thing you know i'm i'm in the music business and this is the career that i want they just kind of laughed like okay but then one day he told me quit your job we're gonna go on the road i was like okay when his first album came out and that was it
0: okay. i quit now, now how did you get introduced to to him or to dope house when uh was it just through little mutual friends or singing
1: um it was through a chat room on 90s on 97.9 the box which was like the houston hip-hop state the one i was winning the talent shows okay. through the radio station the hip-hop station that we yeah. all listened to um i was on the chat room trying to find a studio to record my one of my first songs that i wrote okay i had my beat i had my song ready first time go to a professional studio some guy was like i got a studio for you i was like well i have a hundred bucks what can you do? Can you do two hours, a hundred bucks? Oh yeah, I got you. Here's the address. That was Dope House Records address. Hmm. That was Payne's studio that I ended up at. And I knew about it. I knew who SPM was at the time. because my friend in college. I didn't know who he was until my friend in college introduced me to him. But I knew who he was, but I didn't think, I, I didn't know I was going to end up there. That's what's so crazy.
0: Right. right. So I ended up there. Okay. And uh, the the beat that you had was it was it instrumental or did somebody had already produced it Yeah, for somebody
1: me? had produced it for me. Okay. I had met this guy through another guy in college like cuz a lot of people in college we did music too. So I kind of like got with them. Anybody who went to my school who was also doing music mm-hmm. and we would always link up and do features for each other and you know, we were just trying to find our way then. You're talking like 2000 2003 you know, It's just kind of like right and then into 2004 It's just like that's when the CDs were starting to die down yeah. because that's when the digital started and everybody was bootlegging on um, Napster. Yes, so the industry was like turned upside down right then at that moment like that's when MSN music and iTunes popped up right there 2004 2005. Yeah, so the industry was just like what do you, what do you do? How do I get into this music business? I just go to a studio where I record music. Okay, now, now I'm gonna shop it now I'm gonna do like four or five songs. And then I shop it, I guess, you know, like, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Right. The whole time I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I was just like, just. I mean, I go to a club with like this horrible CD that had like, you know, two or three songs on it with a bad mix, you know, because Payne had just started engineering for dope house over there. And now it would be considered a bad mix. But then you know, it was like, I had what I had. And I would run to go to a, some DJ and some hood club in Houston, somewhere. I don't know anybody just like risking my life basically right. to get a DJ, a song that I thought was just going to be it.
0: Right. And, and, uh, uh, what was the response that you got from that song?
1: I would, yeah, it's good. It's good. Like people were surprised, you know, like, oh my God, she's, oh, white girl, you know, like, wow, that's pretty good but I wasn't professionally done. I didn't have anything like professionally mixed and mastered at the time. I was just starting then. And then when I finally got my very first song mixed and mastered, which was like 2005, my own single professionally done. It was uh-huh. like, okay, now what do I do? Uh, now I work on more songs okay, and make an album and push some CDs.
0: Okay. And everything you were funding, everything. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. favors
1: wow. pretty much. I'll sing on your record. You give me a beat. I'll sing on your record. Give me studio time. You got some hooks you need for somebody. You know, I mean that's that's how I worked my first three albums most most of the time. It was just like somebody in the in the crew taking pictures for the artwork, you know, right, like right,
0: right, <laughs> right. I, I it's funny that you said that how you, you would go to clubs and hoping that these DJs would play it. Uh the reason why I say that is because I remember um I st- had stopped DJing. I want to say, shoot, maybe late nineties and I started in 2006 my life that was my last year mm-hmm. uh, DJ Quick uh, he's coming out with an album called The Fixers uh, him and AMG together and he asked, told me come on DJ for us this whole year we're gonna release on record we just got signed to Sony blah 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 so I dj I came back out of retirement if you will dj for the whole year mm-hmm. 2000, 2006 going into 2007 New Year's night that was my last gig and I said I'm fucking done uh, I I got out of the music from 2007 to 2017. So for 10 years, believe it or not, I was free and I was at peace. Wow. So, but leading up to that, I remember I would go to clubs and visit my friends, uh, 2001, 2002. Uh-huh. And always guys, hey man, here's my friends. Yeah. Here, man, here's my friend's CD. Hey man, here's my friend's, can you play? Can you, <laughs> and you just can't play. Like, yeah, special, you can't. You know, if you never heard it. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I know that, that must have been tough for any artist, you know, to do that because they just want to get their shit out.
1: Yeah, and you don't you know. know what to do. You're just right. like, okay, this is what I see. This is what I think I should do. You know, like, how else am I supposed to get it to somebody? We didn't have any kind of social media at all, anyway, to begin right. with at that point. Right. We had no social media, so I'm just like, how do I get people to play my record in the club? Okay, the club. That's how records blow up these days. Yeah, we can get a record in the club. So that was just my. My train of thought like how else are we gonna do it and then i thought well now that i've got something done professionally then i need to do a whole album of it and i need to just put it out there and i need to just push it in the streets i just need to go from town to town i need to push it you know And that's have flyers
0: yeah yeah and and, and how did that work out for you uh pretty much hustling mm-hmm. were you were you blowing them out or
1: yeah out the trunk i was um i had i had some people with me sometimes like i would get somebody with me that knew how to sell and We would just go in my car. We would just go from town to town. And we would get, me and um, this guy named Manuel, we would go from town to town and sometimes sleep in the car at a gas station in town because we knew we could hit some licks the next day. Right. But it was like, you know, you want to plant seeds.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Now, uh, um, it's funny because, man, even today now, if you go down Hollywood Boulevard, there's still dudes out there trying to sell the (laughs) shoes. And it ain't no different in Times Square. Same thing. One guy looks at my hat and he says, oh, you're you, you from L.A.? And I was like, yeah. He goes, man, help me out right now. And I go, dude, we do the same shit out here in L.A., bro. Yeah. Don't try to hustle <laughs> me. You know, because, because a lot of times they say, hey, man, check this out. This is for you. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks. So what you give me for it? And that's our hustle. Uh-huh. Nah, dude, I'm not trying to buy your CD. Yeah. Uh, uh, I remember one time this guy he even took offense to it because I gave him 20 bucks, but I told him, keep your CD. And mm-hmm. he still got mad because I didn't want to listen to his music. Oh, damn. I just didn't want it. You know, but uh, so at what year would you say you released your first album?
1: Uh, two thousand seven.
0: Okay, two thousand seven. Uh, who were the producers of that first album?
1: Uh, mainly Payne, Jaime Payne Ortiz, the engineer. Mm-hmm. He produced a lot of those.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, he was the main one. Any features?
1: Yeah, uh, I had Juan Gotti on there and Lo G, um, and I think that was it.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, and uh, um, how did that album do for you?
1: I hated it. I still hate it. Okay, why? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, because what happened was, at the time, I didn't know where to go as direction-wise for my first album, right? And Payne was like, look, I'm a member of the Latin Grammys. Juan Gotti just got nominated for a Latin Grammy. You know, we have connections on this side of the music business right now. So you should do an album and make it 50%, at least 50% Spanish. So it will fit the criteria to be submitted for Latin Grammys. I was like, okay. I mean, writing in Spanish really wasn't my thing. Spanish music was never my thing. It was my mom's thing. It wasn't mine. Okay. I was always writing in English. I mean, I was just, but I was like, all right, let's do it. So I did. I made it pretty much 50% Spanish and it was a great experience there's still some a couple there's like two songs i like the rest of it i can't stand to hear my voice that's where i can't stand to hear my voice my early stuff okay like my early stuff i'm like ah <laughs> i didn't know how to do this then and i didn't know how to do this then and with my vocals and the you know what i mean i'm yes. just like oh, i don't want to hear that i don't want to hear that
0: <laughs> no you know what i believe me i truly understand what you mean i'll give an example without naming these guys' names um i did it for a lot of A lot of Chicano rappers in the late 90s from like maybe 97, 98, 99. Mm -hmm. And uh, these guys had hits, maybe came out in the early 90s. They had hits. When it came to their main song that they would do at the very end, they never wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. They never, it would be for an example, let's just say uh, hypothetically that I'm DJing for Vanilla Ice. We all know his main song is Ice Ice Baby. Mm -hmm. It would be like him saying, hey man, I'm going to go out there perform, but I'm not doing Ice Ice Baby yeah you know it. that was the struggle with a lot of these early chicano rappers that didn't want to do their hits mm-hmm. and i'm like why i hate all my early stuff you know and i'm like these people came here for you oh no
1: performance wise now you gotta do it if it's one of those you gotta do it i've been performing songs that have been around since 2006
0: mm-hmm.
1: till now because <laughs> just like the damn dope house family song that song if i don't do it The crowd is not going to be happy. Right. That's my first rap that I ever did, and I don't like hearing it, but they like it, and that one is the one. And I was like, I have to do that one. I've been doing it for fourteen years. Wow. wow. (laughs) So I know what I know what you mean.
0: Yeah.
1: About, but you get used to it. You're just like, it's just like a routine because every crowd's different. People like, why don't you get tired of performing the same songs over and over again? Because it's a new crowd every time. It's a new experience. Yes. I don't even really think about I've been doing this song
0: this Mm -hmm. long. Yeah.
1: Every audience is different. I, like, put certain songs in there that I don't put for other audience. You know what I mean? Like, you just... Every experience is different. Just like I've seen people that are... Like, MC Magic, for instance, has one of the best shows that Mm -hmm. I've ever seen. And every time I watch him perform, I'm in amazement. I'm like, he really does make it a different experience every time.
0: Yeah.
1: And he's performing the same songs. but. It's a different show. Yes. I don't know how to describe it, but I, I've always been in admiration of MC Magic <laughs> on that. He's one of the people that could do that.
0: You know what? I, I truly, truly admire and appreciate MC Magic. And I'll tell you why. <clears throat> um, he drove all the way down from Arizona to do this podcast.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah,
0: he did. And uh, he got his He's own good room. Google. He mm-hmm. got his own room and everything. And he came over here and he said he was excited and we chopped it up. Gave us his whole story, and and I'll tell you why. Uh, one of the many reasons why I admire him. Mm-hmm. He drove from Arizona, and there's guys that live locally that que- that won't even come. Have canceled the day of or the day before. It's
1: crazy. You
0: know? And I usually I tell them all the time. Look, I'm not trying to be mean, but if I were to ever invite you again, you, you're at the, you're at the bottom now, you know. Or yeah. or most likely because there's been guys that have canceled on me twice. That's, a, that's it's a wrap, bro it's It's
1: terrible
0: yeah uh i mean i've had guys that have told me uh give me a month to prepare i'm like it's an interview like what do you do stretch out (laughs) you know like (laughs) like i didn't i didn't get it but yeah but think uh, of
1: fake stories to tell
0: (laughs) probably (laughs) probably i
1: gotta think of some something that didn't really happen to me, but that'll sound really cool. <laughs> I
0: don't know. Pretty much, pretty much. But listen, here's what we're gonna do. We've come to. Uh, uh, we ran out of time. We're gonna go ahead and take a ten-minute break. We're gonna come right back and we'll continue talking about your music career, your first, second album, so on and so forth. Sweet. So all good. We're gonna take a ten-minute break. Okay, everybody. Call somebody. Text somebody. Slap the shit out somebody. Let them know that Carolyn Rodriguez is in the motherfucking house, and we'll be back in Ew. ten minutes. Welcome to Rhodium Radio, and I am your host, Tony A, The Wizard. We started a GoFundMe page because we need you to help us meet our goal. And our goal is to release a Chicano Rap documentary. And we need you to be a part of this. Everyone who contributes will have certain incentives offered to them. For an example, I'll name one. Your name will be on the credits of the film. Everyone who gives, everyone who contributes, uh, their name will be on the credits. That's just one thing that we have to offer it But yet if you read the description, you'll see other incentives for your contribution If you've seen the rhodium mixtape docu You will not be disappointed with this documentary shining light on Chicano rap the Chicano culture. It is something that can be used as an educational tool uh, now and in the future so once again, help us meet our goals so that we can start production. And remember this, we have a voice and we will be heard. Welcome back everybody to Rhodium Radio episode 80 with the podcast of Slaps Your Crouch Fat Ass with a Fat Ass Dick. We're going to go ahead and jump but right back into it. So without further ado, my special guest, Carolyn Rodriguez. Hello. Como estas?
1: Bien, bien, muy bien.
0: You know what that that's very impressive and, and i'm gonna tell you why at me kill the stupid end uh uh-huh. because you know what when okay i speak fluent spanish so i try to always teach my kids like when they were young and they always made fun of me whenever i try to talk to them in spanish mm. you know um whatever yeah yeah and they always, always laugh but now that they're older and they want to get a really good job yeah why didn't you teach us you know mm-hmm. so it's very important to know you know several different languages uh, a couple of other languages that i tried to learn i'm i don't want to say i'm pretty good because i'll be lying mm-hmm. uh, i try to learn a little bit of hebrew and a little bit of greek
1: mm, So those are two interesting languages yeah
0: so i'm really really into the uh, i like the hebrew language i like the hebrew uh, what well, they call it the Aleph bet not the alphabet so, so so many dope things about that but anyways let's jump right back into the music uh how did you meet spm and uh, what year did you meet him?
1: uh i met him in 2001. okay um i was on i was just on the dock at the dope house records okay i was just there sitting there and like i was really pissed off because um my electricity was off in my apartment i wasn't living in houston then i was living in huntsville still going to college okay and i was mad because my electricity was off and it wasn't because i didn't pay my part of the bills because my roommates hadn't paid their part of the bills i was like just pissed I was just sitting. I guess I was. I don't know if I was on the phone or what, but he just asked me like, "What's wrong?" And I told him. He's like, "Oh well, why don't you just call the electric company and like sing to them? They'll turn back. Maybe they'll turn your lights back on." I was like, "Okay, no," (laughs) you know. That was that was it. That's how I met him on the dock. Yeah.
0: What did you think? Man, why are you being so sarcastic with me right now? No, no, no he was no, cool.
1: He was cool. I was just like... I think he was just trying to, like,
0: cheer me up. up. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. And, and soon after that, you just continue to see him around the studio or...
1: Yeah, I saw him around. I went into a few of his shows because I was really working a lot with Pain then and a little group called DFO that he had over there at the studio, mm-hmm. which consisted of the Twin Berettas who were signed to Dope Records and Juan Gotti and a couple other guys. They had, like, their own group. So we were just kind of like rolling together as a group okay you know like a production group okay. and we would just go to the shows and stuff but i did i did um sing something for him a long time ago that never got on the lone star writers it was for the lone star writers compilation mm-hmm. and then i had sung some stuff for bash that never got released either but I, I had already kind of like done one thing here and there you know just like getting my feet wet right,
0: right. Mm-hmm. okay now uh, um During that time, was his music, you know, I like to ask questions as if I don't know anything, because Mm -hmm. I like the public to almost like if they're sitting here asking you, um, was his music, was it already had taken off already? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah?
1: Oh, yeah. He already had his deal with Universal. Uh, He was, yeah, he already had his deal with Universal. He was already on the radio with uh, High So High and other songs, You Know My Name, all that stuff. He was, he was... Yeah. He was at the peak of his career already,
0: you know, um, I mean, not
1: the peak, but I'm just saying he was blown at at that point before he got locked up. That was the peak of his career.
0: Right. Right. Okay. You know, um, I'm trying to remember who I had here, but we were talking about, um, how a lot of Chicano rappers can relate a lot to Tupac. Okay. Mm -hmm. A lot to Tupac. And then, so I would always ask them, you know, um, what do you think it was about Tupac that you can relate to? And a lot of them pretty much had the same thing. A lot of heartfelt stuff. A mm-hmm. lot of uh, stuff that he went through, I'm going through. So he was able to pretty much, uh, we we can relate to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what do you think it was about SPM's, uh, SPM that that the, the fans love so much? What do you think it was? like? What would they say? It was his delivery? Was it his lyrics? What do you think it was?
1: Yeah, probably the same thing as why they would say Tupac. Okay. Because of the... You know, pain is relatable. Yes. Pain and struggle is, is, is relatable. People, you know, they, that that's what it is. Okay. I mean, and the way he puts things, you know, he paints a picture. The way he tells his... He just has that gift of lyrics, painting a picture for you, tell, storytelling. Which you don't... You know, that's that's a rare gift.
0: That, absolutely, that is a rare gift. Because um, uh, me personally... Uh, well it's been proven that 90% of the learning comes through the eyes. People see it, mm-hmm. you know, visual. Um, yeah. Yes. Yep. Now him painting a picture, people see it,
1: mm. you know? Yeah. Good point.
0: You know, so I, they're able to, to relate to it. So yeah. I, I could understand that. Now, uh, um, uh, uh, how many groups at this time would you say were signed to dope house? I know he has many, many, but if you can shed light to the people that may not know, mm-hmm. you know, at the was at the time I met him, or oh, at the time that at the height of his career, Oh yeah, two thousand one, I guess
1: he had um, Baby Bash or Beach. He was okay. Beach then signed there. Uh, Grim, Rashid, the Twin Berettas, Lucky Luciano, uh, Powder was signed. Um, Major and an artist named Major Riley who did reggae. I'm not forgetting anybody. I think I'm not forgetting anybody. <laughs> I think I got everybody. <laughs> Yeah, two thousand one. That's who was actually signed to the label. Okay. Yeah, and I and I think Primsters might have been signed to the label too. I'm not sure.
0: Okay. Who Who would you say uh, in Houston, if if anybody was bigger than SPM?
1: Travis Scott. Okay. That's all I could think of.
0: Now, uh, um, I want to say 1991. I, I'll show you a picture after mm-hmm. uh, I was in. Houston, Texas, and we performed at a place called uh, the Palladium. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was like an all black club there. And I remember ghetto boys had just dropped their record. Um, my mind's playing tricks on me. Yeah. And uh, Bushwick Bill was there me. Rest in peace was there with us. He had a patch and he was telling us how he lost his eye and all of this stuff. Oh,
1: Bushwick. Rest in peace. Yes. Yeah, that's the homie right there.
0: So um, we performed out there. Everything was all good. EPMD, uh, Father MC and a couple of other people. 1997 from 1991 1997 i go back to the palladium with uh mellow i'm djing for him now and now it's just a straight all mexican club Mm -hmm. uh, this palladium place i i probably haven't been back there since but uh i heard that when spm took off that he just like ran everything in houston Mm -hmm. that's what i heard out here yeah you know yeah that's why i asked now with, with the were the Ghetto Boys still big out there at that time?
1: I think it was more Scarface. Okay. Scarface Like the Ghetto Boys were bigger in like the mid 90s, right? Yes. But then by the time I think by the time I got there, I was listen I was jamming Scarface's albums. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I I grew up on Ghetto Boys. Yeah. I jammed Ghetto Boy. I got in trouble for Ghetto Boys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but Scarface was the one I kept listening to. And at that time, I think he was he was dropping really
0: dope albums okay how, how often would SPM drop an album for uh, as far as a solo album like himself out
1: uh, I guess he was dropping one every year that's up good. until he got incarcerated he was dropping one every year
0: that's good and, and I'll tell you why that's good because there's a lot of artists out here I don't know I, I've never understood this I'll give you an example like a DJ quick mm-hmm. good friend of mine I've known him since he's been 19 years old but this guy would drop an album every seven years and, and I just never understood that, you know. Yeah. Especially when there's money to be made and the fans are hungry and the fans want to see you and fans want to hear you and they want something new. Yeah. You know. And I think that's part of the reason. Uh, well, one of the many reasons why I think people loved uh, uh, SPM because he gave them what they wanted. Mm-hmm. You know. So, now, uh, what's a uh, uh, one of the most memorable, if any, SPM stories?
1: I would have to say I didn't really know him until uh, he was locked up. Like, I didn't okay. know him, like, as a friend, as anything. Didn't didn't know him. Just hi, see each other, you know, okay. cordial. But I didn't know him at all as a person. Mm-hmm. So probably, I guess, probably one of the better SPM stories would just be me on the phone with him when he was in the county. We were working on... Uh, what album were we working on at the time? I don't know if we were working on this County Boys album that he did with the guys in the county that is actually going to come out. Or were we working on When Devil Strike? Or were we working on Last Year Violinist? One of those albums. was working on something. And he um, he told me... He knew I could do ac- different accents. You okay. know? He knew I could do a different accent. So he told me to... He told me to act like I was like... Uh, somebody who did uh his hair or something in the neighborhood like in south park or whatever get on the phone with this guy from the county and just like talk to him in different accents so he wouldn't know like and so i did and he was like really falling for it and then all of a sudden he told him hey that's like a dude that you've been talking to the whole time he's like oh my god we just like died laughing (laughs) because that's when it everything started with like the whole accents you can do accents okay we're gonna have you do all these characters now like okay that's what started all that Okay. Well, we used to have fun all the time like messing with people. We would always mess with people,
0: you know and, and that's good that you're sharing this because uh I want people to get to know who he was or how he was as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, like for an example, only a few people can actually say they actually know him and I you know him mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, I never had an opportunity to meet him what, what is he like you know like sitting down what is is he is he a funny guy to talk a lot? you know oh
1: yeah he's funny yeah he's a clown i mean he's really funny okay. um but he's he's like one of those people that he's gonna talk and everything he says people listen and hang on every word so that's just how it is that's how he is okay he's more he's sometimes he's like a like trying to be a psychologist or something you know like trying to analyze everything okay he tries to an, he's very analytical person critical thinker you know like that so he's always trying to analyze everything but yeah i mean he's just he's just cool i, I don't know <laughs>
0: <laughs> all good all good real
1: okay. laid back just cool you know you would you think after all these years you know but i think between the fans that fight so hard for him um between i think they're the reason why he's still able to just be so you know positive
0: right okay.
1: because he's in the worst place you can be yeah Texas prisons are just like
0: the worst. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and the reason why I ask that is because, like uh, for an example, whenever I share with people that I had an opportunity to hang out and be in the studio with Dr. Dre, I always have to tell people, I don't know the Dre of today, the the billionaire, I, I don't. I have to say that I know, I knew him from like 87 to 91. Right, Like that was it. So when people ask me, how was he back then? I'll be real with you. I didn't know that Dr. Dre was a broke dude back then. Yeah. But it didn't matter because I loved that guy from the World Class Wrecking Crew. I was a huge fan. Mm-hmm. And when I would see him in the studio, sample and uh, tweak certain sounds, and engineer and rap, it was just what amazing to me. Yeah. You know. Uh. So, uh, I think one of the most uh. That showed me a lot about him. One day he's playing a song, a uh, hundred miles and running. Mm-hmm. And he plays it, and he stops it, and he looks at me. And I was the only one in the studio with him. And he asks me, "Tony, what do you think it needs?" Now, in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, "Dude, you're like the Quincy Jones of hip hop." Right. What the hell are you doing asking me? Mm-hmm. But I just shared certain things. I said, "I don't know." I said, "Like, you know, what? I don't think you should be asking me." But on the mixtapes, sometimes you didn't ha- have choruses. You had cutting and scratching mm-hmm. for choruses. Right. And he thought about it. He said, "Oh, okay, cool." I'm not saying I inspired that, but that's what he ended up doing anyway, because maybe he had that in his head. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I might've just confirmed that. But I usually tell people those kind of stories. Every time I saw him, he was always busy. He was always uh, working. He was always on the phone. Somebody always picked him up. I never really saw him dead time. Right, You know. And, and there's no rest. Right, there's no rest. <laughs> so, so that's why I was asking, you know, uh, uh, what kind of person was he like, you know, when people were around him?
1: Yeah, you know? well, I don't know. I mean, when people were around him, I wasn't around him. Like, okay. I mean, I'd see people around him, but I was just not into that. You know what I mean? Like, I've just never been that a crowd person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, So I, I really don't know okay. who he was with people around him. Okay. I only know who he is now or who he's been for the past 15 years. Okay. You know? And, I mean, I, I don't know. Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I know how he is with guards around him or, you know. hmm other people that he's around in there but that's it I, w- I really don't know how he is with like people out here in the free world
0: right. I have no clue okay now uh w- when did you start coming out to la that you started meeting uh certain rappers out here that you started doing uh features with
1: um juan Gotti actually brought me out here he brought me out here to promote a record that we were doing for our album together we put out an album together called dope la familia mm-hmm and we were we had just done a record with zigzag over there in color in denver we had a show we, we traveled you know same right. thing pushing hustling out the trunk and doing shows and features and stuff like that That was our life so we decided that this single was radio worthy and he said i, I want to take it to edub and kool-aid over there pocos put a local so i want to take the single over there to them let's just drive there from colorado i was like let's do it <laughs> so we went over there and gave him the record you know personally and then he was like well let's get in the studio and do some songs we ended up doing some songs kept going back to do songs I ended up signing with silent giant entertainment and put out a bunch of music through them but every time I'd go back to work on my album I just loved it more because I was getting different kind of production different kind of music out. I was like growing and evolving and, and liking what I was doing okay and enjoying myself and the people and and then finally I was just like I'm just gonna come out here you know I just moved out here and I think also I had met um, I think I met miss I met miss crazy on Twitter and I ended up doing a song for her album and that's when I met Jimmy from Urban Kings yes. who's here today I met him and then he put me on he's the one who put me on the record with Chino Grande the shine on me and then I had Dave Salas, too. I was recording with Dave Salas because okay. I had met him through e So I was also working on my own stuff with Dave. And Dave was helping me, too. So I would say between Jimmy and Dave, like, that's how I started working with So It just branched out, I guess. And wow. just wow. started doing more and more and more, you know? W-
0: would you say there was more opportunity out here than it was in?
1: Yeah, definitely. That's, that's why I came. I was like, I'm not going to get any further w- than where I am right now. This was me in 2012. I was like, I can't, I can't stay here. Like it's calling me over there. I just need to go. I just need to try it. If it yeah. doesn't work out, I'm going back. I'll go back. I'm just going to give it six months. And I never, I didn't go back. I didn't go back until Carlos asked me to come back. Okay. And that was it. I, I, that was good. I was like, I'm staying out here forever. Like. Things are going great, things are building. I started being able to do some acting stuff that I wanna do, because I've always loved sketch comedy. And that was something I always wanted to get into. And I still have sketch comedy that has not been released yet. (laughs) And Dominator happened to be the person that I met that we started doing sketch comedy. I I can't even begin to describe what we've done, but (laughs) I'm scared to release it, because I'm just like, oh my God, this is like so over the top, but Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay wow you, you, dave salas much uh respect to dave salas i mm-hmm. interviewed him here mm. uh, um, great stories uh that he shared um uh, uh, one guy that i think he's very very humble but doesn't get at least in my opinion the credit uh that he deserves you know for a lot of the production that he's worked with because everybody that's come here has at least <clears> mentioned <throat> dave salas once everybody. i
1: bet he's been involved in everything he's had yes. his hands in everybody's projects
0: now uh Dominator, I know you're watching. Much love, much respect to <laughs> yeah. Dominator. I was talking to him today. I think I talked to him yet- today, yesterday, the day before. We always have like dope ass conversations. When mm-hmm. it was funny, because I'll tell you how I met him and then if you can elaborate on how you met him. Okay. okay? I, I was on Instagram, I don't know, maybe three years ago. This was like my fifth page. I don't know why. Uh-huh. Last year, 2019 was like my 2020. I got all four of my pages deleted. <laughs> oh,
1: no. Like, I, get,
0: I have no idea. 2,000 followers deleted. They just logged me out. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm surprised that i am uh, been on this long. Because uh-huh. even my son would say, Dad, somebody's like fucking with you big yeah. time. He's like, Cause this, I don't know anybody that has this kind of problems. <laughs> so, So... What happened was, I re- I saw Dominator on one of my pages. Mm-hmm. And I was so intrigued by his music, by his singing and everything. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, he cannot be doing all them beats. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, he cannot. So I reached out to him, and he actually replied back. Mm-hmm. And ever since we ex- exchanged numbers, I uh-huh. said, one day I want to work with you. So yeah. I told him, I don't even have this podcast or nothing yet. So when we got this podcast i just reached out and i said hey man i like your new album bro come on down and ever since then uh matter of fact me and my me and my boy uh, johnny right here we went to go stay with him uh i guess it was a how long ago john about a, a month ago
1: yeah i remember i saw that
0: yeah we went we chill with them we started working on some beats for the chicano rap documentary
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, put it this way i walked into his room and i did not believe that an in that room, and in, with that equipment, we were going to knock out some music. And I'm yeah. Like, Come on, dude. I'm expecting something a little bit more elaborate. Yeah, yeah. You know? But nah, man. The guy's fucking... I, I think he's a fucking genius. Yeah. So, how did you meet Dominator?
1: Um, I actually met him through Eat Up and Kool-Aid. Okay. Um, we were working on tracks for me. But also, at the same time, we were working... They were working on that movie, Philly Brown. Okay. With Gina Rodriguez. And um, Dominator was writing some stuff for her. And then I got introduced to her, and then I started writing some stuff for her, and then we all kind of started working together, and Dominator produced um, the record. He helped co-produce and co-wrote the Night Nurse record that came out on the soundtrack to Philly Brown. Okay. And then we just started working on more music for me. He started getting on more of my songs that we were working with E-Dub, so basically through E-Dub. You know? okay. And then me and Dom kept working together. Even beyond that, we would always go work together. He wanted me to do stuff for his album. I wanted him to do stuff on my album. So ever since I met Dom, we've done music. You know, okay. we put out, we haven't put out as much because he's still got lots of stuff in the vault. Because yes. it takes him a long time to get this stuff out. But when it comes out, it's worth it. Yeah. But we, we still have music in the vault. But yeah, um, we never stopped working from then on because, you know, he's just so multi-talented with the beats and singing and the rapping and the engineering. And I like to explore different areas of arrangement myself, you know, as a vocalist. So we just we just clicked really well musically. And like I said, just when you can create something different with an artist that you don't usually create by yourselves, it's a whole new sound. That's how it was with Juan Gotti. Yeah. It was just that kind of weird chemistry where you just like you create whole new types of fusions of songs together that you wouldn't do separately. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's the same way with Dominator.
0: That's dope. I'm glad you said it. you said uh, it was different. I've always, I always said this. I don't ever consider myself to be better than anyone, mm-hmm. but I just want to be different from everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and so I understand when you say it's just different. Yeah. Because today, my opinion, a lot of the music sounds the same. A lot of guys are rapping the same. I always go back to this. I'm an old school head in the '90s. Everybody, West Coast had their sound. The the South had their sound. East Coast had their sound. To me, it's almost, almost the same sound. And that's why it's hard for me to listen to today's music, mm-hmm. you know? So when I went to go hang out with Dominator and where were they playing around with music, we're talking about Prince and Chucka Khan and SOS band. I'm like, yeah, fuck, where are those bands at today? You know, mm-hmm. and today people are making more money and these legends are, many of them are broke. Yeah. You know, you know, so, and well,
1: that has a lot to do with the old laws too, which is why I'm a district advocate with the Recording Academy to help change those laws because, I mean, amazingly enough, you know, these artists that still get played on the radio, legends, they still don't get paid performance royalties to get played on terrestrial radio. It's ridiculous. Yeah. What is that? That's, That's like old days. So that means if you were the one that performed the record, you should definitely get your performance royalties because you made that record by performing it. Yes. Because if somebody else could have done if the writers could have done it, then they would have done it. But no, there's a reason why you're the performing artist on the record. Right. So, I mean, beyond that, like, that's one of the reasons yeah. that okay. these legends are broke. That's one of them right there. The laws are outdated. We finally passed some, got some laws passed into Congress. I don't know if you heard about it, but the Fair Pay, Fair Play Act, they got passed in Congress last year. We had, I, we had been fighting that. The Recording Academy had been fighting these laws for, like, 12 years to get them changed. Yeah. And they finally got changed last year. But that one law still has not been changed about artists getting their performance royalties on terrestrial radio.
0: Now, let me ask you this. Um, What do you see today's music going? Are you a fan of today's music? When I say today's music, what you hear on the radio, if you listen, even listen to the radio.
1: I don't listen to the radio. I do listen to satellite. I listen to Shade 45, I listen to Hip Hop Station, I listen to comedy stations on there, I listen to Satellite. I like some of today's music, and then I don't like some of today's music. It's kind of like a toss up with me. I mean, there's a lot of new stuff that I do like. Yeah. Um, But there's another lot of stuff that I'm just like, wow, I can't even, what are they even saying? They're not even saying anything. You know, I'm just, but that's just me.
0: Right. No, I, a lot of us, like, go the I'm same nobody,
1: but yeah, it's just like, I, this, the substance is not there.
0: You, you know, when you said at Napster, was it 2001, 2002, 2003? Yeah, I think that around there, was around there. And uh, air, the music industry was pretty much, I guess, was in shambles because, uh, you know, now they're selling mu- songs for a dollar or people could download online for wire free. for free. Okay. Yeah. Um, th- let me ask you this. Do you see a future in today's radio? I predicted this, and I'm not a prophet, believe me, but last year, uh, 2019, December, I said this, radio will probably be obsolete in about 10 years. W- w- what is your take on that? Because you just said you don't listen to radio. I
1: don't, but I, I guess that's a possibility, but no, I don't know, because we still need that live person mm-hmm. on air, locally, in our city. I feel like that that's still, like, something you need, like, locally okay. in every city, according to your market, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to die. I just, I mean, I think it's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. But definitely, I mean, streams, you know, more people don't listen to, you know, listen to their title, their Spotify, their Pandora, whatever. Of course, they listen to that more.
0: Right, right.
1: But still, like, how else do you promote, like, local concerts or... You know, things happening in your area that has to do with music. So I don't feel like it's going to die necessarily. Okay.
0: Okay. The reason why I felt that is because to answer your question, like when you said, how you going to promote local concerts? Mm. It's almost like everything social media now. I think that's. Yeah, that's you know. true.
1: But you still got people that still listen in their car. They want to hear what's going on with the traffic. True. You know, yeah. the want live traffic updates. You're riding home from work. I mean, I just in the city. I know how that's yeah. how that is in the city, maybe not in the country but in the city you're stuck in your car.
0: Yeah.
1: So Yeah. I don't feel like it's it's just necessarily going to die down cuz you still need that local connection to let you know live updates. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. What you can't get on streaming. You right. can't get the local scoop. You can't get what's going on in your city like right now with coronavirus. You know, everybody's like every city is different as far as what they're doing, how they're handling it, how who can get help for what cuz I've seen it. I've been in Houston. I've been in Phoenix. I've been in LA, I've been in all the cities here, between here, during the pandemic. And everybody has to handle it differently. They all have their own local governments doing things. So you have to keep up with that. And that's a good way to keep up with that too. More people are listening probably right now because of the pandemic, you know what I mean? And it's giving you those live updates. People who can't watch the news because they're at work or whatever, you know? Right. So they're listening to the radio.
0: Okay. Uh, Speaking of the pandemic. Uh, are you guys still on lockdown over there in, in Houston or not really?
1: Yes and no. Like, it's still pretty bad. It's still really bad over there, but the nail salons are still open. You can still dine in inside. Um, Barbershop's still open. Okay. So, no, they're not like how it is in LA.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, not as many restrictions, but it should be. I mean, honestly, they should have more restrictions because it's worse, but.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: we can't do anything. We're hand- our hands are tied locally. The state governor decides everything.
0: Okay, okay. Check this out. We're gonna go ahead and press pause right there. We're gonna come right back after a break, and we're gonna talk about uh, you were down here. You shot a music video, mm-hmm. and what can people expect from you? And hopefully, when this pandemic's over, when if if any, can the fans see you perform? Or whatnot. Yeah. So we'll come back and we'll talk about that. Okay, cool. Okay, everybody, once again, Carolyn Rodriguez in the motherfucking building. Call somebody, text somebody, slap mm-hmm. shit out somebody, let them know that she's on Rodium Radio. And we'll be back in 10 minutes, so make sure That's you right. go get yourself a modelo, your popcorn ready. We're going to talk about new music. We'll be back. Welcome back, everybody, to Rodium Radio, episode 80. And once again, I want to encourage you to subscribe to the Freaky Talk podcast on uh, YouTube, Freaky Tales Podcast. You can also follow us on Freaky Tales Podcast on Instagram. We're going to be starting that on a Friday, the third week of August. I think it's the 21st, if I'm correct. Uh, we're talking to talk about the paranormal, spooky ghost story type of shit. So make sure you guys subscribe. I at least want to go live with at least about a 1,000 subscribers. I'm almost about 600. We've only been promoting it for about a week and a half, and so far, so good. So uh, other than that, you can buy the mixtapes. Uh, You can download them to your phone or you could buy them for those of you that still like hard copies. uh, The DocuMixery at DocuMixery.com. Also the High C album that I released or or that I uh, produced in 1991, you can also buy that one as well. Everybody's orders have already been shipped. So without further ado, once again, Carolyn Rodriguez, como estas?
1: Muy, muy bien. So far so good? Yeah. I had to put my hair back. It's time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. So you know what? I was uh, looking on your page and on your stories, and you guys were filming a video. Mm-hmm. For the public that may not know, um, fill us in. What was that song? What can people expect? When can the video drop? And was it fun?
1: Well, um, I'm not sure which video you're talking about because I've actually shot two videos.
0: Okay, then tell uh, us about both.
1: One of them is the next single that's called Real As They Come. That's just me. And we shot it at the Urban Flower Company which is actually the place that I collabed with for my first CBD strain. Okay. I have my own CBD strain of flower called medicine girl. And I have my own syrup called Caroline.
0: Hmm.
1: And they're both really good stuff, but we filmed the video there. And then the same videographer Q, um, that did our video came out to LA and we ended up doing another song, totally different type of song started out as a cover and ended up as a mainly Spanish song now
0: okay
1: with like some kind of latin tropical fusion i don't know it just ended up being a totally different record and we decided to shoot the video for it while i was here and um i wrote this uh it was a duet and it's me and dominator so it's a duet singing okay yeah wow. so totally different type of vibe than what i normally do i don't do these type of songs but for some reason this came out this way and we literally started this song like eight nine years ago and it was just a cover then, a cover song.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And now it's not. Now it's just turned into something else. The wow. beat changed, everything changed.
0: Okay. <laughs> now, and from the people that got a chance to listen to this song, what is the response you're getting?
1: Everybody says it's a really good record. They're really surprised. They're not, they're kind of like shockingly surprised because it's not the type of record that I normally do, especially not Dominator. He doesn't really do Spanish stuff either. But for some reason, it's just like, People are really feeling it, yeah.
0: Okay. Now, is it bilingual, like back and forth, English and Spanish, or is it all?
1: No, it's it's bilingual. It's like certain parts are in English and certain parts are in Spanish. But it's probably, I would say, like seventy percent Spanish.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Is that the one? I hope I don't. I hope I don't get it wrong. Are you wearing like a polka dot dress? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the one. I was yeah, it's called to. tonight. Okay, tonight. Mm-hmm. And when can people expect that uh, the song to be released and the video to be released?
1: Tonight. No, i'm just kidding um, <laughs> um i'm gonna drop real as they come on august 6th so i plan on dropping tonight um either a month from then or three weeks from then okay. just depending on where we are on our on our tour because we're touring but not like concert touring we're touring like mobile
0: pop-up touring yeah you were telling me mm-hmm. that you just bought a bus if mm-hmm. i'm correct C- can you share a little bit about that and, and why did you do that
1: oh gosh why uh i've been wanting to do it for years Honestly, um, I had always dreamed of being able to do it because I used to do that in my car and I used to like meet up with people off of Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and that's how I do my meet and greets, but I was doing it like in my car and I thought if I had like a big RV, a big bus where it was like advertising me, I could do even better. I could do even more and I could actually stay out in these places and not have to like keep moving around and actually like be there for a little while and I've always wanted it. But until the pandemic, I hadn't thought, like, let's jump on it right now. It was right before the pandemic that I decided I was going to go for it. Okay. And right before the quarantine, right before they locked us all down. And then the place that we were going to buy it from actually shut down. The whole place shut down in Houston. So it was kind of like, okay. So I was just kind of like sitting back, like, all right, what's going to happen now? We were all on lockdown is like April. And finally, I was like, I'm going to apply for one of those, you know, loans, the SBA loans. And i'm going to use it to get the bus i'm just going to go ahead and do it because i don't know when i'm going to ever be able to perform again we were the first people to stop working and we're going to be the last people to start working as far as concerts because that's what we live off of is large gatherings yeah and that's like the last thing we're going to be able people are going to be able to do yeah so i was like you know this is pretty much all i can do People still need us, The people still need us to come to them. They still need that dope served to them. (laughs) You know what I mean? They they still need some kind of human contact. And we are putting like safety protocols in place. You know, people have to wear masks. We're only doing one or two people at a time. You have to social distance. I mean, we're still taking safety protocols, but it's still, still, I think it's gonna be good because we'll be able to go out and see people and see our people, the people that support and buy the music and even people that don't know now they'll know, you know, it's like, you're not going to school, you know, you're not working. A lot of people aren't working. So we'll just pop up in your city. You know, you have more time on your hands, yeah. basically. And and we have more time on our hands. Okay. So it's going to be a little more one-on-one. And it's actually going to be better for the fan because they get more one-on-one with us.
0: Uh, meeting, greet, one-on-one. Yeah, one
1: on yeah. It's good because, you know, we can only have like one or two people. So I think it's going to be better that they're going to get that more of a personal experience we might have some VIP meetups, you know, where there might be a few of us that go hiking or something like that. And they'll get to go hiking and they'll get like a package, a promo package with like some merchandise in there, too. So we're working some stuff out. We're heading to Colorado first for the month of August. So we'll be in Colorado. We'll be in Pueblo and Denver and Greeley and, you know, all through Colorado. Um, yeah. I mean, we don't know next, but we're probably going to definitely go to Chicago after that. Um, those were some of the places I was going to perform at before. They canceled everything. I was on tour with uh, Quinto Sol, who, by the way, just dropped a new video. Much, much respect to Quinto Sol. Um, they put me on a tour with them, me and Miss Crazy, and we were going everywhere. And I was going to markets that I knew had fans, but I had never performed there before. And right. just shut us down like the whole year. So I think this is going to be a good a good way to like reconnect with our fans in a different way and kind of keep things going and also we're going to film it so we'll be putting out episodes for people to see how it's like we're going to be filming we have like gopros on the bus we're just going to be filming every minute so we'll take the cool stuff
0: yeah maybe some
1: of the drama too (laughs) you know there's always drama on the road but no it's uh, me and athena um i'm going to have my boy little smitty on there he's very good with videography um he's going to be doing all the video stuff for everything so i mean we're going to be coming to your town. We might even have Wangati doing tattoos soon on there. So but we're going to keep it safe.
0: That'll work. You know what? Um, I think it's important that during this time, because uh, somebody told me, you know, this may be the most uh, terrible year uh, out of this century, you know, <laughs> out of everybody's <laughs> life. Yeah. So <clears throat> this would be a time to pretty much get creative, Yeah. to work and to, uh uh creatively find out how you can get out there with the public like Mm -hmm. yourself okay because sad to say i know rappers that are just staying home and they're just saying i'm just waiting for this to blow over like nah dude
1: no like
0: you can't do that
1: we need music
0: yes yes music still needed and i'm thankful for social media because we can connect you know that's helped a lot yes absolutely so uh, uh like
1: this youtube
0: yes yeah, are able
1: to connect now
0: thank god for youtube mm-hmm. so so now um you said in next well next month i guess in a week you got to-
1: in a week yeah it's coming up quick Ooh, yeah we're taking off on the seventh
0: okay now this song you said uh give it about a month uh, the video give it about a month is there an album to follow that y-
1: yes i'm okay. actually releasing my very first album through dope house
0: records for the
1: really? first time yeah
0: okay see now that may be shocking <laughs> to fans out there <laughs> You know, because they're saying, okay, you're married to PM, and this is your first album through Dope House?
1: Yeah, like, a lot of people think that I I, I was uh, signed with them or dropped albums through them, but I never did. I was going to. My Medicine Girl album, I was going to drop through them, but it never happened. But uh, I was going to, but I never did. I always put out my own projects. So this will be the first one that Dope House Records is actually putting out. It's called The Song Whisperer.
0: Wow. that, Wow. I bet you that throws a monkey wrench in every, what everybody else thought. They probably just thought yeah. Dope House, Dope House, Dope House. Yeah. But it wasn't. Wow, that's interesting. No, that's I'll interesting.
1: always represent Dope House, you know, that's, yeah. that's I wouldn't be here. You yeah. know what I mean?
0: And and um, this album, how many songs, is it an EP and features and uh, who are the producers?
1: Oh man, I always like to work with a bunch of different producers. Every album, I feel like I expand more and more into different producers and then guys will send me beats and I'll just end up just loving them and just, you know, I like to always work with different people. Um. But on this album uh of course i have uh have lots of different producers um just trying to think back at all the songs um i've been working with bruce bang a lot in Mm -hmm. houston uh he did a couple beats for me smitty actually he produces he made a beat for me on there um i guess you could say i co-produced one of them because i kind of say what i want to hear the sounds that i want to hear like some co-production stuff and like make it from scratch type of deal um yeah, I just I mean Pain probably will produce a track. I think I'm still putting in a track from Pain. And then some some guys that just sent me stuff uh, Jay Menez is the guy who produced Real as They Come. So he's a new producer that I'm working with. Um, it's always somebody new every time and then I have some of the other ones that I, you know, always work with. Like, I still need to do something with Wessel G. He He's a great producer that I like working with. Ill-Fated is another producer I like working with. Um, but every album, I start working with new ones. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. You know, I saw on YouTube uh, that you did a song with, um, I hope I, I I don't butcher his name, uh, Boy Boy West Coast. It, something West Coast. West Coast. Um, I
1: did a video or
0: just... Yeah, you did a video a song with him. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's his name. I can actually look it up.
1: What's the name of the song?
0: I don't remember the name of the song. What were we
1: doing in the video? What's going on?
0: Um, he's wearing glasses. <laughs> okay. Um, shoot, you're just all throughout the video. Boy, boy, West Coast. I think that's his name. Is that his name, you guys? What? Yeah, boy, boy, West Coast. Can, can, can you look it up while, while we talk?
1: I I don't I didn't do a video with somebody boy named that. Boy, boy. boy? Yeah. I don't even know who that is.
0: Yeah, but uh, I saw it. Unless it was a good lookalike.
1: It has to be. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Love, love
0: boy, boy, West Coast. Does it say her name? Mm. Uh, this is just his IG, so... Okay. I've never worked with him. On the, oh, on wow. YouTube. Okay. Mm-mm. Yeah, look it up on YouTube and then get back <laughs> to us, please.
1: I, I was like, I don't know who that is. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, um, and I know you did some songs once again with uh Dominator, Criminal. Mm.
1: Yeah, Criminal. Uh, yeah. Uh,
0: um, there was somebody else you mentioned. I'm sorry. Chino
1: Grande, King Chino Little Grand. G. King
0: Little G. Okay.
1: MC Magic. It's crazy. Uh, those are all songs that have done really, really well.
0: Okay. Is there anybody, like, if you will, like, man, I just I want to collab with this person. You know, uh, uh, can you name some of those if there's any at all?
1: Hmm. I think there's a few people I want to collab with. I always said I wanted to collaborate with Reverie. Okay. Um. She's really dope. She has a different style that I that makes me reminiscent of like stuff that I used to write because I'm a hip hop head. Yeah. You know, like true hip hop. Yeah. Fiend. You know, I I'm about lyrics and lyrical content. And she has some really good lyrical content and I just feel like I could I could work well with her. That's one person I'd always wanted to collab with. Um I'm trying to think about it off the top of my head. I I would like to work with little Rob. Okay. I think he'd be
0: good to work with too. Yeah, um, I I I I could see that. I I, I think it'll it'll. it'll and go zero, good. I've always wanted to work with zero. I, any East Coast artist, since you really like.
1: Oh, uh, I'm a Nas fan, so of course that would be like the ultimate thing <laughs> to work with Nas.
0: Nas, okay. You like you're a Jay Z. Let me throw some names. Jay Z. I like Jay Z. Okay.
1: I was I, I was still more of a Nas fan.
0: Okay, what about uh like a Fat Joe, Big Pun? Obviously, rest in peace, Big.
1: Yeah, pun. Fat Joe would be really dope.
0: That'd be cool. Huh. Uh, yeah. That'll work. Like me, uh, even though I love East Coast because I grew up on that, mm-hmm. I love West Coast, I would like to do some stuff like, uh, for me, Dub C. Mm. I love Dub shit. So, yeah, Dub dope. I mean, people say, well, why not Ice Cube But why not Drake? Because I did mixed taste with them. So, I kind of already been rubbed elbows with them. But mm-hmm. guys like Dub C, I like. As so, a matter of fact, let me go ahead and say this, that uh, uh, Dub C in the future will be here. Mm-hmm. but a lot of artists canceled with me and i understand it simply because of the pandemic they were just afraid to come out yeah so i have to respect yeah that, you know uh some people i don't want you to say cancel. they just rescheduled mm-hmm. you know uh and i just throw an- another name out there and a lot of people i don't like to do this because other podcasters try to run to them can i zoom you before you go on Rodian radio yeah. believe me they told me so, I'll just tell you after, so that we don't have okay, to. Okay, okay. Did you look no, it up? No, there is a video that looks like her, but... No, oh, no, my God. I don't think it's her, but it looks okay.
1: like, It's not me. It
0: see, it, like her, like see? See? Really? Oh,
1: yeah, I had the blonde hair. Oh, no.
0: Okay, so that's why I thought... Does it I,
1: sound like me? No, I, I couldn't even... Oh, okay. I
0: it yeah, cause just, I saw it, and I was uh-huh. just like, oh, wow, she did a song <laughs> with this guy. Okay. Did I
1: have some twin somewhere? <laughs>
0: All okay, good. No disrespect to Bow Boy West. No, not at all.
1: I just didn't know. I was like, I have no idea that, but maybe it's just, I was like, maybe change his name or something. I I didn't want to like say no. I don't know. And then it's like, what? You don't remember the song? I was like, oh. So I was like, just tell me the name of the song. I can I, I can go by the song.
0: You don't, okay. You don't know, let me ask you this, okay? Mm. Because you do a, pretty much predominantly all singing, mm. other, than, other than in the very beginning when you said you did a rap, okay? Mm. Uh, are you ever going to do any more? Rap?
1: I, I rap, yeah. I still rap. On every album, I still rap. Okay. okay. Some of my hit, like hit songs that I've had are raps, too, that okay. I perform at shows. So like my, my show is usually a mixture of singing and rapping.
0: Okay. Now, now everybody's a little bit different, and, but I ask this question to see how everybody prepares. When you get ready to go out there and sing, is there anything that you do? Um, for an example, I, I had an opportunity to work with Tina Marie. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had never worked with anybody of that caliber. This was uh, 1997. Mm-hmm. She walks in, tiny little little thing, rest in peace, Tina Marie. Yeah. Um, and I asked her, you know, my goofy soap, you want a beer? You know, uh, uh, you want some wine? And she just said, no, I'll just take some warm tea. Mm-hmm. And that was it. She drank warm tea. She went in there, warmed up literally for about 30 minutes. And then she said, go. But I recorded all those 30 minutes of her warming up. And I thought all of them were perfect. But I'm not a singer.
1: Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not.
0: Right. So do you do anything like that or do you just go out there and just sing?
1: Uh, When I'm doing a show, I just go out there and sing. But if I'm in the studio, I do warm up every time. Okay. I'll run through it and run through it until I know I feel it. I'm like, all right, I'm warm now. You know, now I know. It's just kind of like a feeling, like just warm up until you feel ready, until you hear it and it sounds right.
0: Can a singer listen to another woman sing on a record and say, she didn't warm up or you can tell almost or it, since i'm not a rapper i don't so know I'm I, a singer. I,
1: I really never thought about oh she didn't warm up i guess that's not even something i even think about when i mm. hear something i'm either just like either you can sing or you can't <laughs> kind of thing you know but i've never really thought like oh she didn't warm up no i never really thought about that
0: uh for an example uh, 19 i want to say 98 you could tell you're getting old when you remember years uh, um, I'm over here. Remember, 1998. I hired this one girl to come in and sing. I read her the lyrics that my rapper had wrote, mm-hmm. and I said, "Can you sing this?" She kind of like, nun, 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 nun. "Okay, cool." She goes goes in there. And I'm thinking she's gonna warm up. She goes, "Go yeah. ahead." She knocks it out, but I knew she could have done better. Yeah. So I told her, "Hey, listen, uh, did you go run it by?" She goes, "No, I think I usually do it on my first or two takes." Uh-huh. And I was like, "That was it." And she was like, "Yeah." So she came out. We went ahead and ran with it. Thank God it wasn't my record. I produced a song, but it was coming on his album. Mm-hmm. And um, every time I listen to it, I'm like, "She didn't even warm up," <laughs> you know. So it kind of still irks me a little bit. So that's why I like to ask different singers. Some people say, "You know, uh, yeah," I, uh, I like to warm up. Some people say, "No, I don't warm up. I just go." Mm-hmm. You know. So I just wanted to know how different singers do their do their uh, their recordings, if you will. So
1: yeah, on that one I, I do warm up, but it's just kind of like I just do it by ear until I feel like I'm ready. Okay. I just run through the song over and over again, the parts that I'm doing, recording, and then once I feel like I sound warm enough, then then I'll keep it. But I know back in the day, at the beginning, I did used to go in there and just knock it out. Wasn't thinking about warming up when I was younger.
0: <laughs> That's
1: one thing I did not think about. I didn't think about protecting my vocal cords. I didn't think about any of that. I was smoking blunts, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just killing my eighth octave. I used to have eighth octave, be able to go up there like Mariah Carey, the eighth wow. octave in high school. And then I started smoking cigarettes and started smoking blunts and start, and just killed it. Didn't realize until it was gone that I was doing that to myself. And then I started really caring about my vocal cords, you know, and, you know, making sure that you're hydrated, making sure you don't drink caffeine. You know, you start reading up on all that stuff. Tea is always good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Now, you had mentioned that you had a, a, a strain, C- an NCBD. Yeah. Okay. Can you share a little bit about that? What can people buy it or purchase it or look it up?
1: Well, if you want to purchase it, you can purchase it at com. (laughs) It's the Medicine Girl flower. You can smoke. It's got like a built-in grinder. Uh Uh, You can buy an eighth of that, and it's CBD, all CBD. It has less than 0.3% THC, which means it's legal in all 50 states. So um, I have that, and then I have the syrup, the actual CBD syrup that people like to – it looks kind of like lean. Okay. Yeah. It looks just like lean, so it's called caroline. And it also kind of gives you a real calming effect too if you pour it up, you know.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Uh any apparel?
1: Oh yeah, I always sell apparel. I've been selling stuff on my on my website uh for years and we'll have it on the bus too. So, but always dopegirlmusic.com. It's where you can get everything.
0: dopegirlmusic.com. Mm-hmm. Now, w- 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 what are you most act- active on? Your Twitter, your Instagram, uh, I don't know if you have a Facebook, a TikTok or
1: I'm currently kicked out of my Facebook right now
0: why posted too many memes
1: no (laughs) I don't even post memes I don't know what happened I think someone has hacked into my account or something because they made me verify my identity so I haven't been on Facebook in like a week I usually use Facebook to keep up with like coronavirus shit like it gives me the statistics that's what I'm on Facebook for looking at statistics usually or looking at people's birthdays I missed my godson's birthday and I was like oh my god I can't believe I've gotten so used to Facebook letting me know whose birthday it is
0: yes Yes.
1: sorry baby nas his name is baby nas
0: okay i forgot his birthday
1: yeah so i was just like oh my god i can't believe facebook is the one been keeping me up on this i realized that because i forgot right so yeah i haven't been on facebook for the past week i don't know what's happening but i do have a facebook page um under carolyn rodriguez but i'm usually on, i'm on instagram like all the time
0: okay mm-hmm. awesome awesome i know my daughter was trying to get me to go on twitter but my, my boy John's on twitter for our uh documentary page and mm-hmm. i just find that boring like i just i just don't get it somebody recently told me to get on tiktok to promote my stuff but i don't know anything about that are you on tiktok
1: i'm on there i don't know i don't know why i'm on there but i've been on there for like four or five years since it started i just don't really do much on tiktok because i'm just not into like let me learn a dance and put it. i mean i just i don't know it's not my thing i feel like i'm too old for tiktok okay
0: all right <laughs> Okay. Now you know what uh, we're coming down to a close. Uh, I wanted to ask you uh, um, a couple of things about SPM. Uh, is he looking at any type of release? Any type? What, what, what's what's the word on that? If you if you can share any.
1: Oh yeah, I mean he's up for parole in twenty twenty four. So. Okay.
0: And how was that looking from what you know of?
1: I mean, he doesn't have anything like that would prevent him. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't know. Okay. It's hard to tell because the way the system in Texas works, I really don't know. Um, I've heard from lots of people that usually you get, like, your first date or whatever, like, they tell you no. Mm -hmm. But I I don't know. I think every person is different. And I'm pretty sure that he will just because, you know, he's able to afford a good lawyer or whatever to help him and make sure that he's he's on point with everything. But really, I mean, he's trying to get exonerated before that. So hopefully... You know or maybe it'll happen around the same time i'm not sure he's coming out with a book a documentary um eventually a movie that explains all that stuff it's coming out in on october the 5th with his album the county boys which is the one i told you that he did with the guys in the county when he was in the county back in 2000 it was all over the phone wow yeah
0: all over the phone? all over the phone wow yeah I-, I guess that was gonna be my next question because Uh, Since he's been, you know, incarcerated, there's been records released. Was that stuff that he had already recorded or?
1: Who knows? Who knows, right? We just find things. (laughs) Hey, we found this verse. Oh, my God. We found this entire song. It's
0: just magic. We'll we'll leave it at that. So, uh, so the fans can expect uh, in October. Uh Okay. That's good. That's good. Uh, You know who we had here? Um, Pablo Nunez. Mm -hmm. Okay. Came over here and... um, he reached out to me and he had told me, you know, uh, one thing I have to respectfully say about him, that he was very respectful in the moment that I met him. Um, he told me, would you ever interview an actor? Mm-hmm. And I said, sure, you know, no problem. Send me, you know, like your bio or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And he sent me a bunch of pictures and I saw a picture of Jesus, or, you know, a guy that looked like the Dos Equis man. And every picture, he had sent me like 20 pictures. But in the last picture, I saw SPM, mm-hmm. okay? So I said... Okay, wait a minute this is interesting why is this guy sh- sending me a picture of spm mm-hmm. so i sent him my number and said call me so he calls me and i go why would you send me a picture of SPM?" so he told me the whole story oh yeah uh, mm-hmm. how, how we met spm mm-hmm. so um i was supposed to have angel aviles from mi vida loca here okay. so i i thought let me bring two actors in that day yeah last minute she Cancel. cancels yeah so i said dude i said okay let me go ahead and get you in here, and I'll just give you the full two hours interview. Mm -hmm. So pretty much that's how it it happened. So I said, I'm gonna use that uh, the picture where I guess you played SPM in the video, Mm -hmm. but we're not gonna put SPM, we're not gonna hashtag, we're not gonna say anything, Mm -hmm. we're just gonna put special guest. Mm -hmm. And I figured that was the only way I can get people to tune in. Mm -hmm. So, because I know that he has a fan base, Mm -hmm. but uh, one thing that, and I have to say this on his behalf, on Pablo Nunez that he said, I don't want anybody to think that I'm here pretending, you know, I'm SPM because I respect the man. I respect his family and everything. Mm-hmm. No problem. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just wanted to clear that up because I know SPM is your husband and there was no, uh, at least no disrespect on our part. So mm-hmm. I hope none was taken. So, yeah, okay, that's cool. So Pablo Nunez, much respect, brother. So wish you luck in your acting career. But uh, yeah, everything went well. I don't know if you ever, you got a chance to see it. The interview. I
1: didn't, I didn't. I, I really I'm bad. I'm just so bad. I don't get I just didn't.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? At this time, is there any shout outs, any maybe anything I didn't ask you?
1: I don't know. Like it's hard to think of what you didn't ask me until like thirty minutes down the road, and I'm like, oh shit, I forgot.
0: Yeah, I should have brought that up.
1: Huh? Yeah. Right. Um I feel like I brought up everything I needed to bring up. Okay. But um shout outs just i mean pretty much everybody who's always supported me you know like everyone um everybody who's kept it real you know what i mean like i'm very much on that like keeping it real like i just i just want people to be real with me you know um and i appreciate all the people that have been all these years because um shout out to everybody who has helped me along the way because you cannot do this alone you know um you need, everybody needs help. Everybody needs a team and it's really important to have a team. So shout out to the team. We're going to take over in our bus. Shout out to, you know, Athena, who has been there for me, like as a manager, friend, everything else for the past few years, you know? So hopefully we're going to be able to take things to the next level and like show the people what we really go through. It's not all glitz and glamour. Like people try to make it seem and I'm just not about that, you know? Like I want people to see that there's, the reality of what it is you know like it's more relatable anyway people can't relate to that you know they want i guess they want to and that's why mm. it's popular to watch but right. at the end of the day they can't relate to that right bentley's and car they can't Right. that's not what most people are are doing that's not what most people have
0: and i agree with you 100 percent simply because when i see and, and and believe me i don't say this as a put down yeah. But when I see a rapper in a mansion driving in a Bentley throwing money at the screen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't, I don't live like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: you know, so if anybody sees my documentary, you can see that I kept it hood. The whole time The yeah. whole three hours
1: <laughs> Right you know,
0: So that people can relate to it you Yeah know? I, I don't ever want to make myself up here Because it makes it almost seem like I'm unreachable or untouchable I want to be able to be right here yeah. with the people And that, that's what you're doing When you go out with this bus You're going to be It's more of an intimate uh, meet and greet mm-hmm. And people are going to get to know you And that's where you gain more fans
1: Yeah I think know? so too just so they can know like and and i think a lot of times like the real fans are the fans that really like listen to the lyrics and stuff they know that i came from nothing they know that all all that it's taken for me to get where i'm at now which still isn't where i want to be so it's like those people know but then you have the fans that they just started listening like on your third album ago or something you know i put out so many albums so it's like
0: right
1: you really want to take them so they can see that you know yeah this is this is me this is where I came from like I can relate to you on this level and that's why subconsciously you're relating to my music you know so yeah I think it's gonna be great
0: awesome awesome so other than that uh, you know what I just want to tell you uh, thank you very much for uh, allowing me and giving me the honor and the privilege to uh, have you sit across from me and allowing me to interview you so it's been an honor thank you Uh, for having me uh, thank you very very much Uh, whatever you need i like to tell every artist that comes here that if there's anything that I can do to help mm-hmm. you, uh, you know, further your career, whatever I can do, that's what I'm here for. So, uh, th- once again, thank you very much.
1: No, I appreciate the time. It's an honor to be here.
0: Awesome. Okay, everybody, uh, you know what? Uh, a lot of people have been asking me, uh, I just interviewed Royalty on Sunday, a couple of days ago, okay? Um, yes, he will be back for part two, part two. So, Ooh. be expecting uh, Royalty to be back. I know you're watching, big boy, so you'll be back <laughs> Other than that, um, once again, Freaky Toast Podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Make sure you follow us on YouTube. Uh, We're going to go live possibly in about uh, February, Friday, the 21st. Okay. Uh, Pick up the mixtapes. I'm running out. Um, Documentary.com. Other than that, John motherfucking Elkins for doing everything. Uh, I couldn't be here without my team. So I want to thank John motherfucking Elkins. And I want to thank everybody that's been here. Brothers... uh, um, um, Jimmy, Urban
1: Jimmy, Urban Kings, Urban Kings, Irving Kings. Memo.
0: Memo, Memo. Uh, much love, much respect to everybody. Uh, Sunday now, Sunday, in about four days from now, um, I'm gonna have a. I don't, ju- I just don't want to consider him a West Coast legend because I think he's a legend, period. But for uh, uh, lack of better words, I'll just say the West Coast legend. He's a DJ, producer, percussionist. He, in my record, in, in at least in my opinion probably the guy who started the chicano rap sound and that's all i'm gonna say make sure you call somebody text somebody slap somebody let them know that we're going to be in the building on sunday with a legend you don't want to miss out Carolyn rodriguez thank you very much muchas gracias igualmente safe travels thank you good night everybody
1: good night